Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo! Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. It's my great pleasure today to bring in a longtime friend, a man who I have had incredible respect for for uh, several decades. Ever since I met him when he started working with the UVA basketball team back in the early 80s. Uh, he's a world-renowned renowned, um, authority on golf and sports psychology and the mental game. Uh, really doesn't need any introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. Dr. Bob Rotella. Bob, thank you so much for taking some time and joining us on today's podcast. Good to be with Jerry. I love love everything that you do in the world of sports around here. Um, well, you know, the British Open is now the the last major. It used to be the third major. And since they moved the PGA, uh, it's made it the last. And I, and I think that brings, you know, probably a little more pressure to players because it's their last chance to win a major championship this year. And there's only four of them. So it's a pretty big deal. Um, I think what you see when you go to the British Open is, or is the Open, as they like to call it, um, which I think is interesting because when my daughter was about 16, I went on a Rhine River cruise. It's the only time in the last 49 years, I think I've missed two British Opens. I didn't. I decided not to go this year just because I don't want to travel as much anymore. And one year I didn't go because I took her on a Rhine River cruise during the Open. And it amazed me that was we traveled through France and Germany and Switzerland and stopped at sport bars to watch the Open. No one was watching it. Wow. They, they, every channel in a sports bar would have the Tour de France. And if you'd ask them about the British Open, they'd go, why would we be watching the British Open? So I think that's really why they changed the name from the British Open to the Open, trying to get all of Europe to feel like it was part of them, you know, and, and it's probably worked. Um, but I think what you get, and I think you might get it this year, which is to me is when the British open comes to life is when you get what we might think of as bad weather, which is a lot of wind and some wind blowing rain sidewards. I think the courses are too easy and too short when you don't have weather like that. And it, they're really made for tough weather conditions. And that's when I really like it. Um, so, I mean, it looks like we might get some of that weather this year, which I, I, I hope for. Um, and I think it means you have to be way more accepting that first of all, you can get the bad half of the draw. Like a lot of times half the field gets really bad weather and half gets really nice weather. Cause they start like it six in the morning and they're still out there at nine something at night. Um, so you never know what you're going to get. And part of going to the open is accepting that before you get there. And the second thing is because the ball is on the ground a lot more in, in America, the ball's in the air, you hit it in the air, it lands on the green and stops most of the time. I mean, even at the, at the U S open and you go over there and it's a lot more of it's played on the ground as long as you get windy weather. Um, and I think that means you don't have quite as much control over everything as you do when it's played in the air. And I kind of love it. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I think do. it I brings out imagination and creativity, but it also brings out, can you handle 
bad luck and bad breaks and bad bounces. And that's a big, big part of the open. And I think for a lot of players, you know, they'd like to win an open. It's a pretty, you know, I think Arnold Palmer probably and Ben Hogan probably really made it a big deal. Now Hogan only went once and won it. Um, I thought it was one of my favorite quotes because everyone thinks of Ben Hogan. Just They don't think of Ben Hogan as confident, you know, even though he was. But the one time he played in it, he went over there and won it at Carnoustie. And on Wednesday, in his interview before the tournament, he told the people doing the interview, he said, I came over here to win the damn thing. And I plan on winning and never coming back again. <laughs> and he didn't, but people wouldn't expect in 1950 something for Ben Hogan to make a statement like that. You know, pretty yeah, bold back yeah, then. Absolutely. He sounded more like Ali or somebody. You know? <laughs> I, like, I was amazed when I first heard that story. But I mean, Rory obviously is, you know, last two years have been playing great golf and I've certainly had a ball working with him. Um, it's pretty neat because he still works with Michael Bennon, his teacher from back home who doesn't teach anybody else on tour. All of his other students are young kids from Ireland. Um, and he's a really down-to-earth nice guy. And the guy has a beautiful golf swing. I mean, Rory does. And he had a great win last week, birdie in those last two holes in tough conditions, which, you know, has got him feeling pretty good about his ability to play and win, which people have questioned for years. And he made two really big putts on the last two holes, which is good for your head. Um, so he's in a good place. And now it's like, can I deal with those expectations? Right. Uh, and it was kind of neat because if you look at last year's open where Smith beat him playing, maybe the best round of golf Smith's ever played in his life. And at the U S open where he gets beat again, someone playing the best round they ever played in their life. And, and then Bob McIntyre played the best round he's ever played. And Rory said to shoot 64 on Sunday in that wind was one of the best rounds he's ever seen. And yet be able to beat a guy playing the best round he's ever played in his life, you know, made it all the sweeter. And then to do it by making putts and not having his best ball striking day of his career was really good for Rory's head. So, I mean, I like where he's at, but I mean, I work with Tommy Fleetwood. I work with Podrick. I work with Shane Lowry. I work with Keith Mitchell. I work with Justin Todd. I work with a whole bunch of guys that are playing. And there's a lot of guys that will play really well. Um, and I think that's what makes golf golf today is that they're, as the money has gotten bigger and the popularity's grown, there's more athletes playing golf. Um, yes. And that means the competition is really good and everyone's working really hard. You know, everyone's working like Ben Hogan now. Only they're bigger, stronger guys who hit the ball further. And so the competition's great. And, you know, when people talk about the live, you know, like I keep hearing people this week talk about, well, will the guys on live be prepared for major championship when they've only been playing in these small events that are like corporate outings? Yeah. And it's not as good as the competition on the tour and it's not as deep. I go, yeah, but the problem, the difficulty of the PGA Tour is people get beaten up. I mean, the tour really beats you up. I mean, you think you're pretty good and you go out there and shoot five under par and you miss the cut. 
no one's getting beaten up much on live tour. I mean, you're making money no matter how you play. If you don't play good yourself, your team plays good and you still go home with a pocket full of money and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. So, I mean, you know, I think the guys, the advantage they have is they're not beaten up. Um, and so it kind of evens out, but I don't know what's going to happen with live golf. Uh, my guess is it's probably live is probably going to be done in a year. If the tour and the Saudis come to some agreement, I think the Saudis have figured out that no matter how much money they spend, it's not growing in popularity and no one's watching it on TV. Um, so they're questioning the investment. Um, but as, I think as long as they come to agreement, I think they'll put an end to live, find a way for those players that went to live to come back on the tour. I don't know if they'll penalize them or reward the guys who were loyal to the tour. That remains to be worked out. And the other possibility is some Wall Street business people are going to come up with billions of dollars and they're going to form an agreement with the PGA Tour. My guess is there are people thinking about doing that because a lot of Wall Streeters really like golf. Um, and there's some players on tour who would like to see that happen. I thought it was interesting this week when Rory, who has been very outspoken for the in favor of the PGA Tour, and they asked him about it last week, and he said, I would rather quit playing professional golf than play in a live golf tournament. I saw that. I thought that was a pretty strong statement. That's profound, yeah. And we really haven't heard Tiger say much. Um, and I don't think they know much. I think they were probably a little bothered that they didn't have much say after all the support they've given the tour. But, you know, people came up with reasons for it. So I don't really know what's going to happen. And I don't think any of the players know what's going to happen. But I think they know if you're a top player, you're going to end up making more money. Yeah. You're going to be playing for bigger purses. Yeah. I think the guys that are going to be worried are the guys who aren't in the top 70 on the tour. I think as people put more money into it, they're going to have more money going to the very best players. And the bottom 70, it's going to be a lot tougher for them. Um, but they're going to probably own a lot of the mini tours. I mean, they already own basically the DP tour the South American tour, uh, you know, the Canadian tour. And they're probably going to, if, if the Saudis take over, it'll probably be the Asian tours. and mm. God knows how many others. And and my guess, eventually they'll try and buy the LPGA tour. I, I assume that's what's coming next. Probably so. Uh, but all, you know, a lot of it has to do with TV. And if you can't make it work on TV, and it sounds like they were going to bankrupt the PGA tour, and I, what I said to people a few weeks ago, I said, you know, I'm amazed it hasn't been discussed in the media, but they ought to be discussing the problems with the U.S. legal system. Basically, what this legal challenge with Saudis and the PGA Tour tells you, you really can't win if you have to go to court and you're battling someone who has way more money than you do. Yeah. And to me, it's a really big issue. I mean, if that's what we think is an unbelievably great legal system, it's a pretty big flaw. And basically the tour just said, 
we're going to go under financially. We, we can't keep fighting with these people because they can outlast us. That doesn't sound like a great legal system. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is, but it's a flaw. Going, going no one's back, talking about it. Going back to Rory for a minute, I, I, yeah. I've always been a big Rory fan since I saw him at uh, Congressional in, I guess, 2011. Yeah. Um, you, you've gotten to know him intimately, uh, yep. obviously, over the years. Um, I'm sure he's been to Charlottesville to see you sometime over that period. Do you have any favorite stories about him? Uh, just to talk about what kind of a guy. Well, the, yeah, here's what I'd say about the kind of guy he is. He comes across very nicely on TV as a really good guy, very down-to-earth, plain Joe. I would say he's even more down-to-earth and real in real life than he is on television. Second thing I'd say, for someone who didn't finish high school, he comes across as the most well-educated guy on tour and the most articulate. It's absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, he's very well-read, does a lot of reading. And, you know, to do what he did defending the tour and never really get in trouble <laughs> with, with his interviews was pretty amazing. I'm blown away how well he handles himself. Um, for all the people like me who work with him directly, he's a pretty special guy. He brings us all to a golf club in South Carolina called the Whoopi in December. Pays for everything. Gives us some golf stuff. And every night gets up and he mainly talks about appreciation where he stands up there and basically tells her how much he appreciates all the people that are helping him um, chase his dreams. And he's a very appreciative person. And I think it says a lot about his mom and dad. His dad was a bartender, mm -hmm. um, but a really good guy. And I'll have to say now I'm married to an Irish woman, but you know, I work <laughs> with Podrick. I work with Darren Clark. I work with Graham McDowell. I work with Seamus Power. I work with Rory. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, uh, I work with Podrick. I mean, there's something in the Irish upbringing that they're very down to earth and very appreciative. And to me, you know, you hear a lot of talk in the media about the domination of the Korean women golfers. Mm -hmm. Why there isn't more being written about the domination of the Irish male golfers. And now I like, I work with Leona McGuire, who's from Ireland. She's on her way to becoming a very successful player. Um, and there's a couple of other gals, but Ireland's a country of 5 million people. I mean, probably one of the smaller, you know, I mean, I grew up in Vermont that has 600,000, but there's a lot of states that have more than 5 million people. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, if they put out a few pros that are on tour, it's pretty phenomenal. But they've got, you know, a whole bunch of, I mean, think about it. Podrick, Rory, Graham, Darren, Shane Lowry, that's the other one I work with. I mean, they've all won majors in the last seven, eight years or so. It's, it's pretty phenomenal for a country of that size. And I think the thing you see is they grew up playing in wind. They grew up playing in 
cold, rainy weather. They didn't spend their time on a practice range because who wants to hit practice balls when it's blowing like that or cold or rainy? (laughs) And they played a lot of golf and they learned how to play golf. And later they got a little better with their ball striking, Um, which we probably had to learn something from that. But I'm amazed how easy they had to work with because they're totally honest. They, you know, they don't try to fool you. If they have a doubt or a fear of something, they're going to tell you about it. And uh, it's been fun coaching them, that's for sure. But they're a pretty amazing group. Yeah, all really good guys, too. I mean, like Padre came here and spoke at my at the Rotella Junior Academy we're developing here at Glenmore. Um, I mean, he spoke for two hours to raise money for a junior academy here. And, you know, it just – you couldn't be more plain vanilla. You know, it just – yeah. I, you're, I can take him out to dinner with anybody and he's just going to be himself and chat up a storm about golf. You want to talk about golf, he's going to sit and talk about golf. <laughs> you know, it's a, and they all really are very supportive of each other, which is another interesting thing. I don't see them being jealous or envious of each other. Like even with Leona McGuire, I mean, they're all helping Leona. They're all, I mean, they all tell each other to come and see me. They all tell Leona to come and see me, and they're talking her on the phone. And I mean, it's it's a very supportive group. They're very proud of their country. Um, and I, you know, they kind of share a pride in that, and it's uh, very interesting. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Goodfeet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia, defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA, excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Uh, it was, in, uh, you know, talking about Padre, I've interviewed him before, thanks to your help. And yep. you're, you're right, he's just an amazing <laughs> human being. But uh, it was funny, I saw him in a Legends tournament sometime this summer, and one of his... I guess one of his drives went into the crowd and, and plunked a guy in the head. And the next thing you know, we see him over there and he's got his billfold out, wallet out, <laughs> handing the guy, I don't know how much cash. <laughs> well, With a few hundred dollars. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. I had him, 
I set him up at the tournament in Richmond last year to stay with a friend of mine who lives about a minute from the golf course as a guest house. So Padraig and his caddy stayed with him. The guy would call me up every night and say, Doc, it's unbelievable. He's coming over to the house. He has three daughters. And he said, he's just sitting in the house chatting with us about golf all night. And he said when he left, he said, you know, they give the pros a big pile of presents, you know, when they go to a tournament. He said before he left, he left all of the gifts they gave him. He wrote a letter to each of my three daughters with a message of some kind, because they're all little athletes. Wow. And he said he put a $100 bill in an envelope for each of them. And like they were like, man, do <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> That's Padre. <laughs> I know you have a long-standing, close relationship with him. You and yep. you and your wife Darlene, and he and his wife. Uh, some people know it, some people don't. But he actually gave you one of his claret jugs uh, from one of his British Open victories. Yeah, he he gave me a claret jug from his first Open win, and and the box that it comes in from the Royal and Ancient with their signature on it. And he, he gave me a beautiful Rolex watch um, with his claret jug and a stamp on it on the back. I mean, he just, I mean, they're, that's what I mean. They're just very special people. Everyone doesn't do that. No, I wouldn't think so. Wouldn't Trust think so. me. Um, in terms of local golf. Yeah. Let's talk a little well, bit. I, I, it's but... interesting. Your perspective on it. Uh, I think most of us in the community feel that the drop-off in in tournaments and players, we trace it back to the loss of you writing for the Daily Progress. I mean, I think most people feel that you really were the guy who made golf in Charlottesville really a big thing and made the tournaments a big thing with your coverage of it and support of it. And now there really isn't any newspaper following or support of it. There's really not much, you know, and it's interesting because they still have a lot of it. Um, like with running and stuff, they still give a lot of coverage. Um, so that's changed a lot since you're not with the Daily Progress anymore. Um, I don't know how much of it had to do with COVID. I mean, I think, I think maybe more people are playing golf and it's a little harder for people to want to give up the golf courses, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think most of us golfers think it has to do with you, not the COVID. Well, thank you uh, for, for those listeners. So Bob and I were talking about that before we actually started recording about uh, so many local tournaments. We used to have like six or seven. They're down to yeah. only a couple now. And I, I know you recently played in the city championship yeah. yourself. I think that and the Falconer out at Monticello or the and the Kenridge at Farmington, I think, are the only three that are still going. I, I heard that the Jefferson Cup is no longer going to be played yep. in Birdwood. So um it's 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 kind of tough for you know for kids that want to play in tournaments. I guess they have to play in their own club championships yep. and or go outside and and you know in some of the youth uh, yep. golf leagues and and you know other than that it's state competition in the VSGA or or something of, of that yep. nature. 
Uh, well, you think about it, it was really good for a lot of these clubs when they got a lot of publicity. It was good for gaining memberships and having people know about their clubs. And, you know, so there's a lot of good pub for it. And they're not getting that anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be happy to restart doing what I do on my web. I still cover some golf on my website, yep. but yep. Uh, I'd be happy to do it. In fact, before, uh, I think last, before this season started, before we knew that all the tournaments, some of the tournaments weren't going to be played, some people were wanting to add, not only bring back the battle trophy uh, named in honor of Bill Battle, but yep. we were thinking about having a uh, senior competition and naming it the Rotella Cup. After you, <laughs> yeah, so maybe we can get that going. I don't know. Yeah, we could do that. That'd be interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I miss it, and uh, it was a lot of fun getting to know a lot of the golfers and the people at the various clubs around the community. Uh, staying on the local golf theme for a minute, I don't want to keep you all day, but uh, Virginia's golf team, which I know you have worked closely with yeah. over the years, and yeah. uh, uh Things are looking pretty good for the men's and the women's team. The men had their highest uh, finish ever, I think, and they returned four out of five uh, starters next year. The women's team's doing well, and uh, and the men's team has Ben James, who said he's coming back. He loves college golf. What a boost to Bowen Sargent's program having a guy like him. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, I mean, the men had a great year. The women had a really good year. And both have had really good recruiting classes coming in for next year. So it's definitely on the up. Uh, I'd say I, what I'd also add is you got Denny McCarthy playing great on the PGA Tour. You got Ben Coles leading the money list on the Corn Ferry. You have uh, Jimmy Stanger, like third or fourth on the money list. Um, you got Lauren Coughlin doing great um, on the ladies' tour. You have Altamora playing great on the women's tour. So, I mean, we're starting to get people doing really well at the professional level or coming out of Virginia. And, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the up. I think the new facilities have really helped recruiting. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very exciting what's starting to happen with golf here. Um, and, by the way, I went over to the basketball practice about a week ago. Yeah. Um, I was really excited about what I saw. I think this team could be better than last year. Yeah, that was that was my first thought. Um, you know, I was a little worried when they lost three big guys to transfer portal and stuff. And after watching the first practice, I was like, I think these guys are better than the guys they lost. <laughs> I think you may be right about that. And they've got some, uh, you know, he's got a point guard. He's got some big guys that can shoot. He's got some transfers that can shoot. He's got some young kids. I mean, I, I was, and, and of course, Tony, it's just an unbelievable coach and an unbelievable person. So, I mean, I think no matter who he had, they're going to win. But I was, I was impressed with what he's, I think as his reputation grows and people recognize and realize how great a coach he is and how much fun it is to play for him. You know, he's starting to get more and more talented kids. And I think the other thing is I think people are recognizing how many kids from the University of Virginia men's team are finding a role in the NBA, you know, which a lot of people probably said it couldn't be done. Oh, but the NBA, yeah. 
every team is looking for role players who can spot shoot off a pick or a screen or an open shot and play defense. And they're good, solid people. And, you know, it's, it's impressive how many guys from Virginia are making it in the NBA. Uh, uh, just a few years ago, I remember Tony telling me, uh, elaborating on what you just mentioned, that, that, that there's negative recruiting by other coaches about saying, well, you, you go to Virginia, uh, you'll never win a national championship. And he, well, he shot that down. Yep. Uh, go, go there and, uh, and uh, you'll never make it to the NBA. And he shot that down. <laughs> You go there, and and he's he's not going to stay there the whole four years. That he's going to go somewhere else. Uh, well, he's been here for a long time now, and not planning on going anywhere. He, he says, "What else do I have to do to show people that you can come here and have it all?" <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's he's an amazing coach and a wonderful human being, and we are very fortunate to have him here. That's for sure. No question about it, and and we're fortunate to have you in our community as well. Well, uh, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I just am full of appreciation that Virginia hired me a long time ago and gave me an opportunity to get my career started. And uh, I've still enjoyed working with a lot of the teams and the kids on the team. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah. No question about it. I, I can't help but notice that you're sporting uh rowback on your shirt. Show off your, your doggy there. No, <laughs> yeah, he's uh they're one of our sponsors of our podcast. So uh oh, beautiful. Wanted to give them a good plug. Good. Uh great sportswear. Good good to wear playing golf too. Yeah, they're doing great from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all over the place. And uh we thank beautiful. them so much along with the uh, Aberdeen Barn and the Good Feet store, two of our well good for them. I'm glad they're supporting you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh we couldn't do it without them. Uh well, Bob, uh, thank you so much for all the things you've done uh, over the years, not only for golf and in the Charlottesville community, but be, being a, a, a true friend of mine and a supporter, and I appreciate that. And uh, uh, thank you. Uh, you were one of the people that nominated me for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, which I made it into this year. And I uh, uh, just want to thank you for – being well, congratulations on that. It's certainly well-deserved, and uh, I'm glad to call you a friend because you've done an awful lot for sports in this community. 